Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on July the 12th of 2018. I'm Nick, here with Chris, Cat Rock and Roll. All right. I am. Nick, I don't know if you heard the big news, but I might be starting up a new podcast. Might be, might be starting up a Magic the Gathering podcast because I'm essentially a pro player now. I don't oh, know if you pro. heard. Yeah, Nick, so Magic the Gathering occasionally do these things called pre-releases for when their new sets come out. And their new okay. one came out. It's called Magic Core 19. You know, pretty big set. Pretty big deal. I attended one. My first pre-release ever, Nick. I've never been to one before. Undefeated. First place. Shit ton of packs won for free. Clearly I'm a savant. Clearly, I'm meant for this game, and, you know, it's a huge deal. Nick, to this point, I haven't had a lot of feathers to put in this cap. Um, I don't even have a cap. I just have, have this. It's not really a cap, but I'll put it on. I deserve it. Why not? And, honestly, it's a pretty big deal. I'm a pretty big deal now. I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but I, you know, I am a big deal. So, what do you got to do? So, you know. So, uh, how many 12-year-olds did you have to beat in order to win these free packs, Chris? None. I didn't get matched up against any of the 12-year-olds. Thank you uh -huh. very much. I got were matched there, up with Were there at least 12-year-olds there? Yes, there were several 12-year-olds there. But I didn't have to face them. Me and my vicious deck. Is it is it actually a vicious deck, or was it a deck that was vicious? It was a deck that was vicious. It wasn't okay. a vicious deck. I, is there, is there, I don't know. Is there an archetype called vicious now? I don't know. Mine was about cats. Honestly, you, could you could tell me that there's a Yu-Gi-Oh set called vicious, and I'd be like, is there? Okay. <laughs> no, my my deck was all about cats that were angry. Oh. Okay. Angry cats. You couldn't stop them. Oh, and there were some pirate ghosts, too. Whatever. It all worked. I went undefeated. That's an interesting combination. Blue-white, baby. It all fits. All right. I don't really know how to. You just, you just, you just bask in my glory. You just, you just, you, you glow in it with me. Nick, well, I won't leave you there at the bottom as I shoot higher to higher and higher heights. I'll take you along for the ride. I'm not an asshole. You'll be there. You're gonna be my spit boy. Like every time before a match, I'm like, bucket! And you'll come over and I spit in your face instead of the bucket. <laughs> oh, oh, why? You're like, every why time. Why do I carry this bucket? <laughs> every time! Well, um, I guess while I'm basking in your glory and uh, getting that osmosis feedback, uh, I guess that uh, we can take that and you know do what we want we can we can do whatever we want now that we're this awesome chris and now that we're this awesome we can do what we've always wanted to do just talk about manga yep. i've never been able to do that before i never had the freedom never had the uh the stock and life to uh throw our weight around but you know what no one can stop us now it's a brave right new now. world right so we're going to in this seventh year of Weekly Manga Recap we're going to talk about manga finally. finally. No more wrestling, guys. There's not going to be any wrestling references. Not going to be any old television show, Digimon. There's none of those references. We're just talking about manga now. Finally! Broken free from the shackles that was mediocrity. Is that what was holding us back this whole yeah. time? <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've got that Magic the Gathering pre-release championship on our resume... Then, uh, yeah, we're going straight to the top. All right. So we're going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to warn you guys. Uh, if you guys are expecting a certain order because of, we've been doing it for the past little while, we're doing things a little differently this time. Uh, part of it is because there are more series that 
Chris is going to be taking the lead on, so I kind of wanted to space those out. In fact, that's the primary reason, but we've also got a different balance of series in general that we're going to be talking about. Uh, so, you know, it'll take this a little bit of getting used to, but I think that this will help us figure out uh, a nice balance of what to do. So. Until World Trigger returns, and then we immediately go back to And then immediately, corner. World Trigger is just like, it'll just be the World Trigger podcast, like, honestly. God, <laughs> I can't wait. Did you hear he did an image for the 50th anniversary of Shonen Jump? He's alive? He's still there? It's doing art. That's a good thing. I did not hear about that, no. That's cool, though. All right, so, first thing that we're going to do, since we don't have My Hero Academia this week, we're going to kick off the recap portion of Weekly Manga Recap with Food Wars, Shokuyaki no Soma, Chapter 270, The True Culprit. Food Wars, no more no more case files, Chris. They're, uh, they've, they've dropped the ball. No longer the longest they've, title in Shonen Jump. They've by... solved all the mysteries. There's no more yeah. mysteries left, so, yeah. I guess so. Also, uh, King Dude is... Calling Megami Megumama, which is a little weird, but just move past that. Well, this is weird. So that got me thinking. I was like, how did the last episode of Scooby Doo go? So I started typing in, how did Scooby Doo end? <laughs> and Autocomplete was like, how did Scooby Doo die? And I was like, oh God. I mean, he's never been a real dog, and I don't think. Even in the car, even in the like the live action movies, he was CGI. I'm pretty sure I don't think there's a real dog. Is there some dark universe where Scooby Doo dies and they're just like, "Well, that's it, gang. No more mysteries." <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> they they were shitty at burying it, so they just like hanging out of the pile first. It's really hard to bury a Great Dane. It's a big dog. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It's awful. I don't even know how. how how did we get there from here? Okay, so... <laughs> um, things are okay now at the uh, Otonari Inn, the place where Megami beat the guy and made him see the error of his ways. Um, and uh, as he's, like, chowing down on Megami's food because he's in love with her cooking, uh, he eventually just, like, stops after a little bit of banter and says... Uh, well, you know, the food here is fine, I guess. He's being very soon-soon about it. And then we cut to a conversation that someone's having elsewhere uh, in the inn, saying like, oh, yeah, it was great. You know, Tadakura beat that guy. Uh, so, you know, be sure to praise her for this, Nakiri. <laughs> and Aaron says on the other line, you know, you're bragging a lot for someone who did literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Interestingly, on the other line, Arena is working out on an elliptical and made me realize that, you know, between this and uh, before Megami had her showdown with the dude, she was just, you know, like bathing in the hot springs. Like, food Wars actually makes me more uncomfortable when it's just like regular fan service than when it does the foodgasm stuff. When it's not ridiculous. Yeah, it's just like, oh, oh, I guess you just do like drawing young girls' bodies. You know, I mean, obviously that was always the excuse for it, but, you know, the ridiculousness of, uh, you know, the bear, the, the honey made us act like bears that were being whipped into an S&M play thing. You know, that's absurd. And it distracts me from the fact that those girls are too young to be in that cosplay. Whereas this one is just like, Aaron is like 16. I don't want to stare at her doing this. You know? I mean, it's not like it's that titillating of a pose. 
Well, yeah, but Megami was just naked in the bath before. So. Oh, well, that that was a ridiculous one, though. You're talking about the one where she was naked in the bathtub full of money? No, 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 where she was just naked in the actual hot springs bath. Oh, yeah, that, I mean... She was okay. playing with a rubber ducky. Ooh, saucy. The most, the most <laughs> erotic of plays you can do in the bath. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Rubber ducky, a one-man show. <laughs> squeak! Squeak, squeak. Squeak! <laughs> 90 minutes later. Yeah. Why did I pay to see this? I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever watched, uh, like, the later seasons of Futurama after it was revived, but uh, there is one episode where Calculon com- comes back and he tries to put on a one-man show, and it's just the, the most awful thing. He's just, you know, him sitting in a chair talking about himself, and he's like, ah! Because every one-man show is awful. That's the joke. I've never actually seen a one-man show before. I can't really comment to that. Maybe there's some I, amazing ones out there. I oh. and uh, it was this. It was about this guy trying to become an astronaut. Basically, I don't remember if it was good or not. I was eight. So. <laughs> That's fair. Anyway. Uh, Arena brings up, you know, after, while they're talking, like, we need to know, you know why the Quizneers Noir have invaded Japan all at once. Uh, and we won't know exactly we why, uh, you know, and, and hopefully the others will soon bring us more useful information. And someone's like, what, you sent some other people out on missions like this? Yes, that, <laughs> that is true. Literally sent basically everyone. Basically, everyone who wasn't uh, competing over the same three spots in the uh, in the like, top ten. Leave those assholes to change sheets every single fucking week, alright? We'll do this. I, I can't trust Alice to do anything. My own cousin, she's too busy with her, with her weird friends. I tried to explain to her what I want her to do, and she just, like, gave me this weird machine that sorts out spices. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to use this to solve our problem. Um, so apparently the other members of the Council of Ten have literally physically subdued the people that they were sent out to stop. Presumably through cooking as well. (laughs) Yeah. Presumably all through cooking. Like, because none of them are combat related, I guess. I think Kuga knew some form of Kung Fu. Like, didn't we see them practicing like a cooking Kung Fu or something like that? Well, and Takumi and his brother are chasing a guy on a fucking boat. <laughs> How is he going to oh stop Oh my him? god, I keep forgetting that's Takumi's brother. Why do they keep changing his weight? He's so much less memorable when he's not fat. I don't know if they've ever actually explained why he changes his weight fluctuates. I don't, I don't think that they've actually ever established that. Hmm. But, yeah, like, I'm just imagining, like, is this going to be like Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds? They have, you know, a Shokugeki while they're racing each other on speedboats. <laughs> you know what? I'd be for it at this point. Uh, so we do get a revelation of where everyone on the Council of Ten is, and including that everyone who was the second year the previous year is still on the Council. Uh, they have pretty much all moved up, uh, except, except for, for Azon. one per- Well, no. There's one notable person who went down. Uh, yeah, Kinokuni went down and Azon stayed the same, sp- same spot. Yeah. <laughs> Poor fucking Kinokuni. She went from 6th to ninth and dropped below Aizen. 
with no context to it. It's not like the two of them had a feud and like Eisen's loss was him saying like, I'm going to like vow to be stronger and get out. There was no connection between the two characters. It's almost just like, girl, lower. Apparently. Maybe it was like uh, the, you know, Alice and Hayama and Kurokibo, you know, were challenging everyone. And so they ended up challenging her and she was like, uh, yeah, OK. So they that's how she lost her seat and went down. Whereas Azo was just like, no, go away. You're bothering me. <laughs> I want to stay at the same seat. Hmm. I have so... business cards that say eighth on it. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he was ninth before, wasn't he? He was ninth to begin with. I think that he went up one during the reorganization of the council. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because uh, what's his name became ninth. Uh, uh, sent dude, Hayama. Whatever. Yeah. So that's where Azon is now. Uh, he's number eight. Kinokuni is ninth. Uh, Takumi is seventh, and Kuga's third. Yashiki is second. Which that makes sense. Uh, I think, you know, Kuga was always the most ambitious out of them, but Ishiki was always the best, so. Also, I like that, you know, we get these weird little interactions between all the people that they've captured who all have these very different looks about them. Like, as if these character designs were going to be more important and then you couldn't find a place for them, so here they are now. I really hope that the stupid cursive, like, the fancy N tattoo is absolutely the sign of the chef's noir. Yeah. It's N for noir. <laughs> we got our like, hardcore noir tattoos. It's like our gang tattoo. It's a fancy N. <laughs> like, I don't think that's as hardcore as you think it is. Sure it is. We're gangsters who murder each other. And we got an N. For noir, it means black. <laughs> you imagine like getting a D tattooed on your shoulder like that? It's like, why is there a D tattooed on your shoulder? It stands for dark. I can imagine it while I was riding on my motorcycle in my Shadow the Hedgehog sequel. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you want me? To, do you want to share this script with us, then, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I'm holding on to it till I can finish it. See. I have two different dark paths in my game. Oh, oh. That's how dark this game is. <laughs> you know that there are like an absurd number of branching paths you can have in that game. Yeah. That's why there's something like nine different endings for it. And like, I don't know if I've heard of anybody who's enjoyed that game. Uh. One day anyway. I should play it. One day, just to see what it's like. Fuck it, I'll just AMV it. Why, am I, why would I play myself through this to play this game? I could just watch the endings. Why not, yeah. I mean, fuck it, why am I watching the endings? Shadow the Hedgehog endings. So, everyone shares a little bit of information. We kind of get this oh, montage. Oh, complete... Once all ten on the endings are unlocked, a true canon final ending is unlocked. Yeah, that's the one where he realizes his true purpose. So you literally have to play the game through ten different times or something like that in order to actually get the real ending. Jeez. Yeah. So uh, there is... We get this uh, explanation from the different chefs noir. No! Uh, there already were two different pure dark endings in it, and I forgot, because you could be pure dark dark or pure dark hero. Which I guess was just a way of being like, I'm not a super asshole, but I am going to take over the planet. Sorry, continue on. 
There are multiple endings where he kills Eggman, so... <laughs> anyway, the Chef Noir explains some stuff to the council members who have captured them, and it's kind of put in this montage so you get more of a complete idea of what was going on. Saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, we all gathered at this place where a bunch of mafia families were together to host it, and we... And usually we operate alone, but this bank was so big they had to hire a bunch of us. And we hardly ever meet in person, let alone work together. So there's a lot of tension, but all of us were dominated by the whole, you know, of, of all of us scattered there, one dominated the whole thing. And I've never seen dishes as amazing as what he made. The level of skill and creativity he had was just on another level. Which is demonstrated by, there are, you know, two of the regular kind of freakouts that you come to expect from Food Wars, which is, you know, one guy was like a naked angel, one girl turns into this, you know, seashells bikini girl. But the other two are a matador being gored in the ass by a bull and a guy being eaten feet first by a shark. Yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. Okay. So, uh, and uh, King Dude says to Megami, he's like, hey, you know, you're a pretty good chef, but you're not even in this guy's league. And uh, at the end of the night, he turned to all of us and he said, have you ever heard of a shokugeki? And then you explained to us that, you know, this system lets you challenge a chef and put you anything you want in line. And if we went to Japan, the chefs there take great pride in their work. So if you bait them, they'll bite like chumps. So, yeah. Um, so that's the guy who started everything. Um, and they're like, okay, well, who was the guy who started this? He's oh, like, well, I think he went to a Japanese McDonald's. He was like, this food sucks. He keeps slapping off the counter. Clark's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> just leave. If you don't want to eat it, just leave. He's like, no, no, no. I heard all of you will get into a shokugeki if I say your food sucks. And I think this food sucks. He's like, I'm going on break. <laughs> like, just, if I don't cook this. I take it out of the freezer and I put it in a microwave. You could go back and make the same ingredients yourself, buddy. It's not going to taste that much better. <laughs> Look, I'm going on break. If you're still here when I get back, I swear to God, I'm going to police. Do you understand how many pounds we get per cent we spend? <laughs> so... Uh, he explains, like, no, we have no idea what the guy looked like. He was wearing a bandana to cover his face, hat. Uh, he spoke English, but, you know, we don't know what his actual nationality was. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? He did say his name. It was... Oh, Hang on. God. It was... I wish this went on so much longer. I wish this was, like, oh. like three weeks later. He's, like, like he's coming up brushes. He's like, oh, no, I remember it. <laughs> like... They've, like, hunted down, like, the different faction leaders, and it's, like, this massive, like, shokugeki illegal fighting ring. And you're like, oh, Shiba! Remember Shiba? <laughs> I remember because Yuga was on her Kaiba! <laughs> so, the uh, inn owner and chef are like, well, I've never heard of a name like that, which, I don't know, Saiba... It sounds like it could, it could be a name you could have heard before, but uh, Megami and, and Soma, of course, very much know what the name is because that's the name of Soma's father. And so they're like, oh, my God, could he be the one who has caused all of this? And that's the end of the chapter. And it's an interesting uh, direction to take things in. Uh, I mean, obviously, you don't have the guarantee that this guy was uh, Joitra who did this. Uh, or even if he is the one who did it, what his true intentions are, if he's actually really trying to oppose anything. 
but uh, I do like the idea of following up on oh, a zombie was this great was started this first threat. Then oh, could it be could it be Joey was causing all uh, this? Um, it's just an interesting, you know, monkey wrench to throw into things as they're trying to figure stuff out. Very much so. So, all right, all right. Next up is uh, we're going to be doing Eden Zero. Yeah, so Eden Zero, Chapter Three, Adventurers. And this first page has two things I really want to talk about. One, I didn't two notice things. this until I just looked at this. Apparently, Levy and her entire group exist in this universe, and the one dude just oh hasn't gotten fat God, yet. you're right. It's the exact same group makeup with the exact same that designs. Is yeah, so this is, this is the Adventurers Guild shooting Starlight. And the other thing that's kind of interesting is, like, the big, like, globe that they get in has a big 50th anniversary thing. I'm wondering if that's meant to be, like, a oma- like a, a shout-out, I guess, to Shonen Jump, which is currently having, like, its 50th anniversary. I'm wondering if that's, like, because it seems kind of weird a little mm-hmm. bit, but I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I just don't know what it's pertaining to otherwise, so... Could just he could very well just be hero going going like oh a yeah, little shout out for them it's like that's our rival magazine I don't care <laughs> yeah fuck you you want to you want to yeah. what do you gotta do <laughs> you understand I have you by the balls right like I'm the huge fucking <laughs> thing you have so we are introduced to the adventure the shooting starlet receptionist Clarice Lair and I'm actually kind of happy here because she doesn't look like anyone else from Fairy Tale. Like she actually has like kind of I, her own unique look. I was going to open by saying it's like, oh hey look, it's Ever, and then I was like, no wait, actually she doesn't look like Ever at all. She just has glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems as though, oh fuck, Rebecca. Why can't I remember this fucking character's name? Rebecca has a good relationship with uh, Clarice. Chris, she's never going to be an important character. <laughs> uh. It's very much so because she even starts crying when she's like, I'm so glad you're alive. Uh, they introduce Shiki to him. They say like, oh, we met him on Grand Bell. He's like a castaway. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad Rebecca found you. So I guess she's got like a crybaby kind of gimmick to her. Uh, and Rebecca's like, oh, hey, let's uh, let's register him. You know, can't you do it? Even if we don't really know who he is. She's like, yeah, I know. Well, we can do that. And besides, it's not like I really know who you are either, Rebecca. So I guess that's our first little tease to the fact that we have a big mystery involving Rebecca still to find mm-hmm. out. Uh, then Cheeky does the same thing where he like grabs onto somebody. He's like, are you a man? You got good muscles. I like your face. Will you be my friend? And uh, he gets of all off. the places on this guy that he could have grabbed onto while making a comment of this is some good muscle you got here. He grabs his face. It's a good muscle he's got in his face. Uh, he gets pulled off, and Shiki then looks up to see a giant hologram of the woman we saw floating in space at the start of Chapter 2. Now, Rebecca explains that that's Mother, but it's actually just a hologram of Mother, because she's way bigger in real life. And she's somewhere in the universe, a woman bigger than the planets, a, mystery, a mysterious life form that no one knows how or why she exists. And they say that all we know is that a long time ago, there was an adventurer who left the Sakura cosmos and happened to find her out there. At some point, Adventure started worship her as the goddess of the cosmos. So they display an image of her at the guild. Shiki says, huh, I feel like I met her. And everyone starts laughing at him like, oh, look at the idiot. This kid thinks he saw him at mother. What a big loser. Probably thinks it's just his own mommy. What a bunch of baloney. 
And even uh, Rebecca kind of like gets like has like a blush. She's like, oh, I shouldn't have brought this freak to this. Uh, but I actually kind of like this because Shiki's like, okay, you guys, I know exactly what you're trying to say. So anyway, just be my friends, okay? And uh, I, I don't know. I kind of, I guess I like that he didn't like have. I think what every hero character does, where like they like plant their foot and they're just like, no, it is real. I believe in my dreams, yeah. and you can't tell me what. No, yeah, he's just like whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, and a new character comes in. He's like, my goodness. Hold on, I... hold on. Before we move on, okay. I just want to observe. So they had this old moment. I was like, ah, he thinks he's seen mother. He's bad. He's bad mother. That stupid kid. And he's like, all right, be my friends. And they're like, he wants to be friends. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Knocked at his mic. Uh, I might have to be right back. <laughs> Great. I'm glad this joke has fucked up the Skype call. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, Nick's coming back. Fucking Christ. Uh, I'll just wait for him to come back for a second here. Try again. Are we good? Uh, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to make the observations like they're acting like he's this big loser because he's like, he wants to form human connections. <laughs> I was like, what? Come on. They're a bunch of space bullies. I get it. Uh, I'm waiting. As soon as Nick's video comes up on my end, guys. Yeah, I think the name of, that that's somehow been fucked up. I don't know how. Hi. Hi. Wait. No. I'm trying to, like, because it's not doing anything, like, if I try and turn it off or on. We want Wait. Try. Wait. Can't start video. Try closing other programs that might be using... No other program is using my webcam. Fuck you, Skype. Alright, well, we'll figure this out eventually. <laughs> Alright, so... The person comes in, he's like, oh my goodness, I thought it was noisy in here. And we see uh, someone come in who looks a lot like an older version of Wendy, who uh, is very mean. Who's like, if it isn't Miss Bottom Level B-Cuber Rebecca and her junky little cat, Hoppy. Uh, and her name is Labia? Labilia? Labilia. It's too weird of a name for me. Uh, well, they, everyone, call, everyone calls her Libby. Yeah, that's the thing. Cause they, they immediately call her Libby. And like, someone comes up and is like, Whoa, man, she's in this guild. Hi, I'm a big fan. Can I have your autograph? And she's like, that'll be 100,000 glee, which I guess is the currency in their world. And she says 50,000 for a photo. Uh, and then she starts drawing on this, this what looks like a kid, uh, drawing on his, his autograph picture. And she just draws a picture of poop. And she says, you can directly transfer the money to my channel. Thanks. Uh, as the most wonderfully dickish thing. <laughs> uh, and then she goes up to Rebecca and she's like, oh, my dear Rebecca, your videos have simply not been very good lately. Is the time you considered retiring from the business? Uh, so, you wa so she watches her videos then. Mm -hmm. mm. And uh, she keeps like, who's this? And uh, they explain that this is the Bilia Christie, a famous beekeeper and someone I abhor. And uh, she says, no, that's not accurate. I'm a super famous B-Cuber. So famous that there isn't a soul in the Sakura Cosmos who doesn't know me. And like Shiki's like, 
I don't know you. <laughs> that is the most amazing reaction. <laughs> just so factual. Like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and she has no response. So she's just like, just go, just go about churning out your little boring videos. That'll make mine look so much better. Uh, and uh, Shiki reaches out and grabs her. And she's like, can I help you? Handshakes cost 10,000 glee. And then she starts floating. And Shiki's like, you made my friend cry. But Rebecca pulls him away first before he could do anything. Uh, so she lands on the ground and I think bumps her nose and starts like having like a little bit of a nosebleed. And she's like, what was that? What did he do? And he's Rebecca's fan. That, that boy will make a fabulous video. And I'm like, here's where this it's is It's a wrong. scoop. <laughs> if this was really YouTube... She would immediately done like a counterclaim on all of Rebecca's videos now, saying that she was assaulted, try to get her video, her channel taken down. She she'd do a bunch of assault yeah, videos. Yeah, she would have swatted her. Yeah, exactly. This would have been an immediate like, oh, I'm filming this video. I just got attacked in public at the Shooting Star Guild and shit like that by a mystery boy. Yeah, there there'd have been a whole thing there. So Rebecca and Shiki go to this bar that's run entirely by blue like creatures, I guess, <laughs> like. It's weird because Plu-like creatures are the only ones that exist there, but the restaurant isn't sized for them. Like, it's sized for regular people, so it's these tiny little creatures, like, walking around with, like, plates on their head that have to, like, I guess hurl the plates up onto the table or something. <laughs> you gotta do, like, a Mario triple jump in order to reach the table to put the food down. Uh, yeah, they, they're doing the whole thing. I'm gonna skip over this because I don't really fucking care about this joke again. We, we got it last fucking series and the series before that so we a dog so shiki says when i think of a guild i think of a place where you're all in it together you know like a family and rebecca says there was a manga like that long ago i'm like wait does fairy tale exist in this universe is that what this is meant to imply was was levy and the group being there actually significant or are they cosplayers well, and there's Happy there, too. Yes, Happy. That is... Holy shit, how does Happy reconcile with this shit? <laughs> He's like, oh, oh my god, you. my entire existence is taken from something else. Oh my god, I'm a machine! Don't don't think too hard about it, Chris. Okay, it's okay. Sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, they say it's basically a guild, but it's a guild, but it's basically just a place we can work at. Because Clarissa is a part of it. Like, Clarissa's in it, but so is Libby. And if Libby's a part of the guild, it's not really the same kind of atmosphere as... Uh, as fairy tale, but she says say that the guild is their adventure to uh, their window to adventure. So now they can go on their own adventures, and they're like, "Oh, you just got registered online." So they're like, they like manifest his his digital card that uh, they put on there, his adventure license, and his name is Shiki Granbell, in honor of his planet, and he's a rank E hunter or adventurer. Sorry. Uh, they say that they're ranky too because they're basically shut-ins who played video games until recently. And I'm like, wait, what was the point where you guys stopped being destitute on the street poor <laughs> to like we spend our days all inside playing video games? You gotta live life to the fullest because you never know when you'll have nothing to your name and you'll be left starving on the street with nobody to help you. Anyway, let's chill out on the couch playing video games. I'm like, you're you're only source of revenue that you refer to thus now is being a bottom tier beekeeper. <laughs> Where do you find the comfort in life to be like, let's not film anything today, let's just play video games. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and yeah, he, you know, she's like, hey, I hate to admit it, but, you know, Livy's videos are really good. She must put a ton of effort into them so I can really expect, you know, respect that about her. And she's like, I know a way to make videos way more awesome than hers. We'll go see Mother. And that seems to be the promise they're going. And he's like, you know, if nobody's seen her. And, you know, I'm wondering why I feel like I've seen her before, so let's see her to get back at everybody at the guild. And she's like, oh, going to see Mother. That would make an amazing video. So they kind of, uh, commit to that they're like oh wait but it's outside the soccer cosmos so we'll need a better ship so they're like well, we'll just get a better ship and uh i kind of like this because shiki i guess played video games at some point he's like yeah, yeah. and we'll need a party and a warrior and a healer and a mage uh, and they're like uh yeah so i think we can get a ship and a party all at the same time we just got to find the professor who fixed happy professor wheeze or wise i forget how to pronounce it um so I guess they're going to get an entire group of people, too. I don't know. Uh, they're like, oh, well, no one's home. Well, whatever. Let's go have a visit. So they head off. We cut back to... I, I can't even remember what her fucking fake name is. Like, Ellie... Red, no, uh, the, the oh, Urza clone. Like, Urza. Yeah, I think it is Ellie. Yeah, it's is, a, is uh, it like, like Crimson. Crimson, El, El, Ellie Crimson. El, Ellie Crimson. Elsie Crimson. Elsie Crimson. Fucking Christ. Alright, so LC Crimson. But wait, Chris, it's not she's not exactly like Urza because she's got an eye patch. <laughs> there was a version of Urza that had an eye patch, didn't she though? Wait, Urza didn't have a second eye! So she exactly is! <laughs> Fuck! Um so Urza <laughs> I'm not going to be able to not call her Urza. I don't think I'm going to not be able to. Urza shows up in this guild and she's uh, shooting Starlight. She's like, I'm looking for Shiki. And uh, uh, Clarissa is like, oh, I, I, I haven't seen him. But all the, the jerks there are just like, oh, I've seen him. And I heard he was going to go to Planet Norma. Uh, I guess this is somebody who was in the bar that heard this. So we see uh, them in their, their ship say, mother or bus, let's go get a ship. And then the group inside the bar saying, wait a minute, your highness, that planet has already perished. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I I will, I'm going to actually give uh, Hero a little bit of credit because we were, you know, remarking. I was like, oh, God, they're just going to fairy tale, basically. But I do like that right away he emphasizes that the Adventures Guild is actually very different from fairy tale. Uh, there's not a whole lot of camaraderie among them, uh, at least initially. And uh, there's you know more of a sense of, like, cattiness about the members. And also, we weren't just, like, introduced to, like... 30 different people that we were expected to understand who they were right away. It was just Libby, yeah. you know. Uh, well, Libby so and I Libby think we're meant to kind of get Clarissa as well. Libby and Clarissa, and, and I don't know if she's actually supposed to be all that important beyond just being a secretary. Uh, so I, I, I do like that, and I do like that we're kind of just like building up what this is, you know, what's going on here as opposed to just fucking was like, Here's 20 people, you know. Yeah, so. it's not as though... That was, that, was, that was when Fairy Tale was, was at its best, when it was following just this tight-knit group as opposed to the entire guild anyway, so... Uh, right. I, I didn't mind the chapter. It's fine. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's parts of it I enjoyed. Some of, like, the comedic points kind of got me in a good way, but yeah. it, I'm, it, it's tough to not see certain characters like Libby and be like, oh, it just looks like Wendy with a different thing. 
I'm I'm hoping we get more kind of interesting designs of characters, but uh, I don't know. I'm also really hoping that Libby doesn't turn out to be like I kind of like them to have like their like series bulk and skull or like mm-hmm. like like their caddy villain that's always trying to interfere with them or something like that, like their team rocket or whatever. All right. Before we move on to the next one, I'm just going to hang up the call here. Give me just like five seconds and try calling back and maybe that'll fix this bullshit. Okay. So we have five seconds, guys. What do we do to entertain ourselves in these five seconds? (sighs) Shit. What kind of entertainer am I if I can't figure out a way to entertain people for five seconds? I give up. The podcast is canceled, everybody. I'm going home. I'm hearing up. Right on. I think that's five seconds. I think I can call Nick back. I think. He said five seconds. I may have taken it too literally. All right, I don't know if this is actually going to start. Let's see. Yeah, my webcam light didn't turn off when I hung up the call. So, let's see here. Like, I don't want to... I could I could disable the webcam, but I don't want to... I would have to restart the computer, and I don't want to do that. I was going to say, what if you just restarted Skype? All right, we'll give this one. We'll give this one more try. All right. And uh, do you want me to start doing like we never learn in the meantime? Oh, he hung up completely. Okay. Well, I guess we'll sit here and wait for Nick to figure this out. Yeah, I mean, I can take this image. Natsu, Shiki, and Haru all uh, fist in. It's fine. It's all it's all dope. I digs. I had to wait for Nick now, because now I have to wait for him to load everything up. In retrospect, we should have waited until I was about to start up a new, a new series, but I don't know. We'll see. Um... I don't know, guys. I I, I I was my mentally prepared state was the like shut. All right, you know what? I'm gonna read you guys a couple of the endings for Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> Fuck it, it's up. Let's do it. So you could be pure dark, slightly dark, neutral, slightly dark, or slightly hero and pure hero, and then a like a a hero and dark version of both of those. So. In the dark, dark ending, Shadow defeats Sonic and Diablon. I don't know who that is. And moves to destroy the whole planet. And you're like, holy shit. It's super evil. Kills everybody. Pretty crazy. Uh, but I don't want to go through this. I want to go for the real ending. So Shadow has obtained all seven Chaos Emeralds. But all of his comrades, Sonic and his friends, Eggman and Black Doom, converge into Black Comic and demand he hand them over. Black Doom reveals that Shadow's creator, Gerald Robotnik, was in development of the ultimate life form but needed an energy source. He made a decision to use Black Doom's DNA to create... Who the fuck is Black Doom? That name sounds so stupid. Black Doom. He's leader of the Black Arms alien and an overlord of the Black Comet. He is still the villain in general, however. Okay. He looks... He's kind of like a Cthulhu thing, but 
Does he have sticks for legs? No, he has no legs. He's just a floating... Why does he wear a shirt if he has no torso? That's curious. All right. So, uh, after claiming to cast levels and using them to teleport to Black Comet to the surface, Black Doom paralyzes and moves to surrender Shadow, Eggman, Sonic, Tails, Rogue, <laughs> Rouge, and Amy to his offspring as meals. But Shadow breaks free and regains his mobility and chases him throughout his entire Earthbound Comet. When he finds them, Team Chaotix, holy shit, I forgot everyone, their fucking mother was in this game. Team Chaotix coincidentally recovers a video, uh, a video recording of Gerald towing Shadow that the Black Comet would arrive 50 years after Shadow's birth and that Shadow is the only one who could stop the malevolent Black Arms. Shadow and Black Doom transform into Super Shadow and Devil Doom, respectively, and do battle. <laughs> That's exactly what it says here. Do battle. After defeating Devil Doom, Shadow uses Chaos Control to blow Black Comet into space, activates the Eclipse Hand to destroy it. Seneca's friends celebrate the saving of the world, and the game finally ends with Shadow departing the Ark's control room, saying, Goodbye forever, Shadow the Hedgehog. God, that is fucking lame. Whatever. Alright, next up he's ready. <laughs> I imagine, like, the gravitas when she says that of, like, Goodbye. Shadow the Hedgehog. I am here. Hey, Nick's back. All right, we're good to go. Yeah, so uh, it turns out that uh, if your laptop light is stuck on, you should put your computer to sleep and then wake it back up. There we go. So, everyone, let's uh, keep this rolling then. Go on to uh, Allison Tayo. Uh, one of our two jumpstart series that we're following along with. Uh, last chapter, the debut ended with uh, Tayo agreeing to help out Alice. Uh, he played the piano for her while she was singing for the school in secret. Um, and uh, basically, we actually catch him. He's like actually still continuing to like do music and stuff. He just you know does music for himself and doesn't like do put it anywhere, um, which we find out more about in this chapter. Uh, as uh, Alice basically uses the school's PA system to call him to meet with her uh, in the music club room. And he's like, why did you do that? <laughs> and Alice has pizza to thank him with. So well, that's a pretty good thanking, to be honest. Yeah. So nice, ju nice gesture there by her. So. Uh, they they talk a little bit and he actually mentions like, oh, I was actually making music uh, while, while I was uh, over the weekend. She's like, really? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Uh, and Is he that says, what you think her voice sounds like? Well, when she's like, no, songs, I want to listen. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Goodness. All right. That's fair. So obviously, you know, she's a great singer. She'll have the voice of an angel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Um, he begs off and says, like, it's really more like a musical diary. You know, it's just like music I just, you know, make in order to keep in, in practice of it. Uh, and so they talk a little bit more about it. And uh, she and he says, yeah, you know, I play the keyboard. I make music basically every single day. And she's like, well, really? Even when you weren't uploading music? And he's like, yeah. And she starts singing. But the way that it suddenly transitions you know, it's just like, you know, a shot of Tayo's face and then a shot of her. And she's like, it made me think she's like emitting a constant note, like like a test. Ah! <laughs> this is a test of the emergency sound system. 
The emergency Alice system. You've been <laughs> you've been warned that her presence is near. Um, and, and you know she was just you know seeing one of the songs that he has that he had made and uploaded online. And uh, she basically was like, "Hey, you know, let's you and me team up together and take the musical world by storm." And he's like, "Uh, no." So. Her next approach is to pin him down, loom over him, and reach into her shirt and take out a coin that she tries to hypnotize him with. Which is pretty ridiculous. I like that it go it, it sets you up for one way and doesn't go with the easiest way, which would have been like, I could draw a sexy girl in her underwear and get more more horny boys in, in touch with my series. You know, emphasis on in touch. But uh, I, I like go for something a little bit different. You know, she's got that a little bit of a, a Sumi quality to her where she's, you know, constantly teasing him. It's like, why? You don't want to help a cute girl like me out kind of thing. But there is that very goofy side of her, this constantly scheming, cartoonishly so uh, method to her. Like she takes out the, this coin to hypnotize him. Clearly doesn't seem to really think it'll work, but she's like, you want to play music together with me, and also you want to give me two million dollars. We then get, um, because Alice is like, why don't you want to, you know, help me out? Is is my singing not good enough? And we get this, I'm not sure if it's imagined or if it's a flashback from Ty's perspective of all these people be like, look at this music Suzuki made. It's weird. What? He's using Vocalite. Does he think that he could go pro? Look at him having dreams and wanting to work hard on something. What a loser. People are getting mocked by for weird things this week, Chris. Hey, Ken likes his book, book. This kid wants to make friends. This kid wants to make wants to be successful. What a loser! And Tayo explains like he's scared. He's scared that people will say mean things about his music, which is a pretty good reason to not upload stuff online. Let me tell you. For all we know, this whole thing part of his character was set up because he got mean comments online, and people online can be very vicious. He accidentally uh, posted a spoiler to Naruto in the episode title. <laughs> uh, but uh, Alice says, like, hey, if, you know, if you were so scared about it, then why did you, you know, play with me at the school festival? And she was like, well, because you made me happy. You, know, you said that you liked my music and you made me happy, so I wanted to help you. And the rest was just a blur. And Alice says, well, then let's keep going. Let's take over the world. Uh but before Tayo can inquire what exactly she means by that, all of a sudden people are like, "Hey, you you took you hijacked the intercom! How dare you, Alice Shinohara?" And he's like, "Ah, well, all right, bye." Uh, and then they go to meet up somewhere later. It's an event that hosts local high school bands, which means that it's far too nice for what it is. Like, look at that lighting. I I went to a a bar where a friend was playing with his high school band. Um, and this is far too nice for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well lit. Like there, there's tables set up. That seems weird. There's actual acoustics. Seemingly. Uh, some douchebag comes up to Alice and it's like, hey, I saw your video. That was rad. And I was like, thanks, whoever you are. And he's like, oh, I'm Furuya. We met at your studio. Oh, you seem really friendly for someone I've only ever met once. But thank you. 
just completely shutting him down immediately. Um, the MC of the event, Jin, uh, who is the most happening of dudes. Look at his guy. He's got his striped shirt and his hair and his sunglasses indoors and his smiley face buttons on either side of his collar. <laughs> is that not what the cool kids use? What is this, man? <laughs> um, and uh, he talks to Tayo for a bit while Furia talks with Alice. And uh, he's like, yeah, that, that, that Furia guy, his dad's in the entertainment industry. And he even does some modeling work himself. We get a good crowd to come out thanks to his band, mostly girls. So I can't tell him to knock it off with the sweet talking. And he's always ditchy performances. But, you know, the events are always fun anyway. There's all sorts of people coming around here. And Furia is just like getting really skeevy on Alice while she's having none of it. He's like, hey, why don't we get out of here? <laughs> and uh, Alice says like, huh. Are you done performing then? He's like, what? Whatever. It's a small event anyways. Hmm. But, and he's like, hey, I know. Why don't you join my group if you're looking for band members? And she says, eh, I've already got my heart set on someone else. Oh, but what's he like? It's like, none of your fucking business. But uh, she says, well, he's awkward. He's the kind of guy who makes hundreds of songs no one will ever listen to. He's a little awkward, but a totally awesome guy. That's the way that the kids these days talk. They say totally awesome, right, Chris? <laughs> it's pretty on beat. That's how kids talk nowadays. On I, fleek? <laughs> I had someone say this, like, it was in reference to our, our upcoming Dice Funk episode. Someone was like, yeah, this extra is, this episode's going to be extra. And I sat there, I was like, oh no. I don't know what this means. I'm I'm the old man who has no... I've lost touch with the kids. I can't figure it out from context. Does it mean extra cool? Extra big? I don't know. Uh, so... Alice rushes over to Ty all of a sudden. And uh, <laughs> she, she, she's like, hey, you having fun? And he says, oh, yeah, you know, this, sing, this singer, they're actually using Vocaloid. So, you know, Vocaloid doesn't mess up the pitch or the sound, but, you know, it can kind of be boring. But, you know, this group actually uses it with live vocals, so it's actually really interesting. And Free is like, Vocaloid, that's super lame, right? And the, he immediately, like, locks onto Tyler, like, is this the guy that Oz is interested in? <laughs> Uh, and Tyler says, well, you know, I think it's actually nice. And I don't think it's appropriate to make fun of someone who's trying their best. And Faria's like, wrong! People who try their best are the worst. It's laughable because the weirdo's actually serious. And we then get a shot from Tyler's perspective of, like, a mental thing of, like, people commenting it says, did you listen to the vocalized song that Suzuki made? Yeah, lol, lame, lol. Which makes me think that he did actually get a bunch of negative comments at some point, and that's why he doesn't upload them anymore. I don't think that they're actually, like, imagined things. He just doesn't want anyone finding out he does anything because he's, he's, he's afraid of what their reaction will be. Mm. He's afraid of criticism. So... Alice all of a sudden is like, hey, I like to listen to some more of your stories, but it's kind of loud here. So let's go somewhere a little more quiet. And Faria's like, oh, this is the moment. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, let's go. 
uh, just uh, use this to, to put a sock in the door. But Tayo immediately realizes because you can see Alice's face while she's doing this. Like, uh, she's planning something because she's making this really creepy face. <laughs> um, and a little bit of time passes and we see Fria talking with his band. And they're like, what? You want us to go home? Really? He's yes. Go, go. I can't get laid while you're here. And I do like the detail that we see him like psyching himself. Like, oh, yes, I'm going to get laid. Yes. <sighs> but then it goes back inside the club and everyone's like that Furio just ditched us again. God damn it. He was going to be our finale. That asshole. He ditched us again. So Jin's like, well, I guess we have to find a replacement or maybe I'll have to perform some of my stand up. <laughs> That's what these people came to see for the finale of this concert. It's, it's my stand. It's a great moment when you're just like, you know, what's going to go well with this is a couple great jokes. I got some great bits on uh, on PC culture today, guys, to really knock you out of the house. <laughs> the Me Too movement. What's that about? Am I right? Uh, uh, me too, right? Hashtag Me Too, right? I don't get it either. So Alice grabs Jin and pulls him aside. He's like, hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? oh, all right. Yeah, we'll put you guys in for your spot. It's like, yes, Alice, you know how it's time to shine. And she like has like a end of episode. We are victorious. Jump in the air pose. <laughs> but she's the only one doing it. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, let's do it. Tayo. Like, what? Me? Oh. <laughs> Um, and he immediately is like, no, I'm, I'm going home. I don't want to, I don't want to get dragged into this. Like, I know the people in the crowd here are complete strangers. No, they'll judge me harshly. And I was like, no, you're not going to run away. You're going to stay. You can do it because I bet it all on you. What if I'm a loser? Those, if that happens, I'll be lying in the dirt with you. So let's do this. I actually think I like this chapter more than the previous one, honestly. I mean, the stakes are a little bit higher, too, of just like creating like, oh, this environment he feels really insecure in. It feels like it's touching a little bit closer to home. There's there's less of like, oh, well, at least we know these guys. So maybe we'll give like a cursory kind of like applauding to them or whatever. Like this is just outright like performing in front of strangers, basically strangers who are expecting something else, too, which is always a, a rough start. Mm hmm. I also think that it gives you a better idea of what Alice's character is like. She's she's got a little bit of that fuck the consequences attitude that the girl, uh, the alien freak girl and the previous Star series recovered had. But she's also got this very scheming quality about her that she knows how to actually get what she wants. Like her harebrained schemes actually work. And there, you know, she relies on manipulation and stuff. So she's got that very positive upbeat quality to her and then to get, in order to get her in order to realize those very positive dreams she becomes the worst person in the world <laughs> so so I'm, I'm digging it so far and we also get a better idea of uh of what tayo's actual hang-ups are and why he has these insecurities which seem like they come from a much more legitimate place now so uh i guess we'll see how it goes yippers all right huh so from there, we're going to move on to our other Jumpstart series, the final chapter of the Jumpstart run that we're getting from Seiji Tanaka. Uh, this one is basically about uh, 
Nagato and and uh, Seiji actually going to try and recruit the people that are important to, you know, actually establishing the company. So he's going to this super uber genius who is part of the uh, robotics club. And we get a brief little introduction to him uh, that he had first place in the national mock exams. He's got he creates these awesome robots for the club and he is introduced as Naoi Naoi Genda super genius uh and of course Nagata's approach was just is just to immediately like hey you should make me a time machine so we can get our company going let's do it let's make a bunch of money he's like what the fuck are you <laughs> okay we are also introduced to a the seemingly sole female member of the robotics club Akari who Nagato instantly recognizes because she's, you know, this perfect uh, image of beauty and brains that she's the school idol that everyone's obsessed with. Uh, and, you know, Nagato's immediately like, oh, my God, it's Akarin! <laughs> um, and Seiji, being an idiot, says, you cannot get distracted by, by her. Despite the thing that happens at the end, but we'll get to that. Basically, what happens is that, you know, Genda is like, oh, you shouldn't make, you know, motions towards my beautiful, intelligent girlfriend, Akari. And she's like, I'm not your girlfriend, but fuck off, you know. And he got the solution to getting Genda to join him is to I challenge you to whatever and I'll beat you and then you'll have to join me. And he's like, OK, robotics mesh. And I'll even give you a three on one handicap here. You'll be you too. And I'll even give you Akari so that you'll stand even a remote chance. But then I'm going to kick your asses anyway. And um, basically, it's instant losses immediately. But for Nagato and Seiji, uh, Nagato's explodes because he's overclocked it by giving it all of the things to do. And uh, Seiji's bows respectfully and then topples over because robots aren't meant to do that. So um, then the guy's like, hey, Akari, Aka, you know, let's do this. You know, uh, you can't beat me because I'm so smart. You know, it doesn't matter. Da, da, da. You know, you were the only challenge, but you still can't beat me. And Nagato's trying to free guys like, oh, maybe we can do something. Come on. We're not done yet. Akari, you know, let's we just got to, you know, modify your robot to be super awesome. You know, uh, there's no sense in us giving up just because someone else told us it's impossible. And she immediately, like, takes up the tools and ties her hair back and does, like, in really fast modifications and gives her freaking robot laser beams that blow apart the other robot. And they're like, um, huh. And she gets right in the guy's face and, like, threatens to do something with the drill. I can't tell exactly where she's pointing it. And then, of all times, Seiji's like, President Tokioka, do you know her real name? Uh, well, it's Akari Tsukuchi. Ah, that makes that the what we use, if we use the alternate kanji reading for her last name, it's Genai, the one that we've actually been looking for. She is the future inventor of the time machine. Seiji, you should have known this. Like, <laughs> you're from the future. How did you not know who the real target was? It would be one thing if he just had not said anything, but he specifically said, don't get distracted by her. Anyway, this this chapter featured fighting robots, and I love those. So this was my favorite chapter so far. But uh, whatever. Chris? Yeah, I, I have nothing to say. I didn't read the series. <laughs> I got bored at the first chapter and gave up on it. All right. So that said, we're going to move on to Boruto, number 25, Residence. 
There's so much stuff that happens in this chapter, like so much like important plot things. You know so, what's weird? So like the week after this happened, I sent like a message to Brennan and he was helping me out with something and he had to read Boruto. And Brennan, for those of you who don't know, you know, good friend of ours, huge fan of Naruto. He's the one we joke about. He used to, he, he did like God of War Naruto crossover effects and shit like that. He loves Naruto. <laughs> He read the last chapter of Boruto, and his viewers thoughts is like, this character is the most obnoxious original character do not steal ever. They get to the point, it's like, oh, of course he was abused, because that's how these characters always go. And at first I was like, oh, you're just, like, silly. And I was like, you know, he says it, it really does feel like a really bad, like, original insert OC into the Naruto universe. Which I don't really care, because he's Sasuke, so. True. Yeah, I like honestly, like if he's supposed to stand in for Sasuke, this is all necessary for him to be equally as infuriating and broken. <laughs> so, the dude who was sent after them, the guy with all of the with the broken jaw and everything, uh, his name is Garo, and he tries to capture Kawaki, he of the blonde and black hair. And they're fighting, and they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And it looks like Garo has got him, and he's got him, like, impaled on his arm thingy. And he's going to destroy him and kill him. And they're like, oh, no! Because Boruto's like, we've we've got to stop him! And Konohamaru is like, Boruto, no! The situation's bad! We can't take any more careless moves! And Boruto's like, well, we can't do nothing. Listen, the mission has increased to S rank. It's too dangerous. Like, it only just now increased S rank. A fucking cyborg ninja assassin came after you guys before. <laughs> like, yeah, it was still like B, he B plus. He your partner. <laughs> it was still like a B plus at that point. We could have handled it. <laughs> he killed your partner, whose name I don't remember. <laughs> so, meanwhile, mysterious guys are still watching. And, uh, the girl whose name I don't remember and Co- Kashinkoji. Del- Delta. I remember her name for some reason. Okay, Delta and Kashinkoji. They're still watching the proceedings. They're like, huh, Garo, he's going to destroy the kid. He's a, no. And Kashinkoji's like, wait, what's key is still to come. And Garo's like, oh, can't try if you wake up and flip about, so I'll just break a few of your limbs. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Kawaki's arm twitches and Bart is like, Aah! and the karma seal thing unleashes across his arm. And Kawaki's like, hey, you forget about me. And he just tears off the guy's arm while it's holding him up off the ground. How he gained that leverage, I don't know. But he does it. And a big foosh goes out. And he's like, oh, no, my my gun hand has been torn off. That and is Ka- my favorite hand. <laughs> And Kawaki's curse seal, sorry, karma, has gone up his arm and across his face and stuff. And it's while he's doing this, Boruto's is also reacting, crawling up his arm and across his face. So Garo's like, oh, shoots a big energy blast. He shoots the Mega Buster and Kawaki uses karma to absorb it and then walks up to him, extends a bunch of stuff from his hand that gouges out his chest and pierces right through him. And then he says, I warned you. I said you'd lose more than just your chin this time. And then he just blows him apart with a giant energy blast that sends out this massive explosion in waves of energy. We see his torso afterwards, Garo's torso. It's 
kind of gross because you only see his legs and then like oh you know nothing <laughs> like yeah like the waist around and then nothing like if it had been only his boots that were left it would have been comical but because the waist is left above that it's actually kind of gross so Kawaki has killed the guy and Delta's is like, ah, well done, Kawaki. Blasting that bothersome Konoha bunch to bits as well. Good boy. And Kashin Koji's like, nah, actually, it seems that kid's just as able. Because when the smoke clears, it turns out the energy blast that went towards Boruto's group, he absorbed with karma. So then nobody got harmed. And they're like, ah. And Kawaki's like, you seem to know a lot about karma for someone who doesn't, you know, have whatever. He, all of a sudden, smoke comes out of his body and he collapses unconscious. Because as Kashin Koji's like, he's his karma resonated with the other. That is why Jigen is so obsessed with Kawaki. I need more intel. And then Kawaki passes out. And Katasuke is like, this, it's called overheating. And they're like, what? He's like, well, I wonder. So... Delta's like, all right, well, I'm going to go kill those Konoha ninjas right now, okay? And Kashigoji's like, wait, don't interfere. And that's when, like, you get, <laughs> you get, like, you go into, like, his mind right now, and it's the galaxy brain thing going off. <laughs> He's just like, you don't understand. I've next leveled this shit. She's like, I mean, it seems really simple. If I just go in and kill them, I could take both vessels and we have them. No. Oh, no. We will get the vessels eventually, but we should learn more first. Like we can learn more later. Yeah, Why don't we, we can learn. We... <laughs> Konoha doesn't learn anything about them. Well, they've already learned to us. Well, yeah, but there's still some information that they don't know. And if we kill them all, we can stop them from following our trail anymore. No, we need more intel. She's like, oh, my God, I hate you and this stupid fucking group. Shut up. My mask is awesome. The only reason I'm in this group is it's because the only place that would allow me to come and dress up in fucking pinstripe <laughs> long pants and not get any problems. What is she supposed to do? Her high-heeled thigh-high boots. <laughs> it's it's the, the, the tights that really do it. Like, it's the, the pinstripe, like a circus tent. Like, she's like, I always loved the circus as a child, so I decided to wear them as pants. <laughs> Oh, man. Meanwhile, Katasuke has been examining Kawaki's body. And after basically going, poke, poke, he's immediately like, just as I suspected, <laughs> has immediately performed this high degree analysis of his entire body, including his nerve ends. <laughs> he's like, he's basically a microwave. <laughs> His very existence is a scientific ninja tool. The blood vessels, the nervous system, all of it's been modified using technology similar to, if not even more advanced than Lord Seven's artificial hand. I can't believe a scientist with this much know-how exists. You can't compare this boy to Lord Ao or that big man. His body is a work of art. It excites me to know there is another genius like me out there. 
there. It gets kind of. What the fuck is this? Because he's just talking about like this little boy, essentially, and he's just like, "What a splendid work of art! His rippling biceps, his knotted pecs, all so deliciously put together by the most brilliant." I mean, he's he's very special, very special boy. Let's bring him home. Can we bring him home? Let's bring him home. I can't believe we were ever meant to think that he was a villain. Like the way that he talks about this small boy's body. <laughs> he's so, like, let's take off all of his clothes to see if he has a serial number because he's like a oh, machine, you know. Well, honestly, I would have actually expected you ask us to do that before you began your investigation. Now that you've analyzed that much about his inner body just by poking him with a stick, I don't know why it's at all necessary. <laughs> We could find out even more. Fuck you, take it off his pants. <laughs> Why do you start down there? <laughs> uh, you know, science. <laughs> so forth. <laughs> he just ends his like, science, etc. <laughs> Shut up, I'm a scientist, I'm a genius. <laughs> Give me that boycock. Like, so... <laughs> All right, let's get this. This must became an S rank again, but for a very different reason. Meanwhile, Mitsuki's like, I don't see anything weird about this. Orochimaru was just like this. <laughs> Have I mentioned that I'm a clone of Orochimaru? <laughs> it's like, just drops this bomb out of nowhere, just like, ah, this fellow genius. Did he create this boy from scratch? As I was made with cloning technology. And Serata and, and Bartra are like, wait, what? <laughs> Oh, you didn't know. They didn't know that Orochimaru was your dad. No, they didn't know that. <laughs> Which is weird, because I don't know how they didn't know that. <laughs> and Katasuke's like, yeah, I knew that about, about you already. That's why I had you take off your pants for me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, how long does this weird chain of events in Konoha go to? How good are you that they're allowing you to like give like to, to continue these violent cards? It's like, oh, I actually know very little about science. I actually, I actually need my wife to set up my movie pass for me because every time I try to do it, I just get stuck. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh God! So basically, they conclude, and Baro just says, "Let's take him to the village to my dad." All right, so it seems as though the arc is actually over and we're getting back to Konoha from here. But geez, the amount of information that got just blasted down on all of this was so out of... It, it was a lot in a very short span of time. It was weird. Oh. Okay. From all of that weirdness, let's move on to the most normal chapter of We Never Learn Ever. Like, nothing weird happens in this one at all. So, all right. We're on chapter question 70. Sometimes a mysterious palpitation derives from X. And I want to start off by actually noting something from last week. So last week was the end of that whole um, festival chapter, fireworks, everything like that. And some people I noticed in our Discord were kind of commenting to the fact that uh, apparently, I don't know where it was, but somewhere out there, I guess, there was like a thing that kind of spe specifically noted like, oh, well, it's not Ogata and Fumino who were the girl that helped him up because we saw them in different panels. I didn't notice that, but I thought... Don't, don't buy into that. Well, I don't know all. if that was I'm an sorry. official I'm thing sorry. or not. That, I, I, it, it can be them if, they, if he wants them to be. That's what so. I mean. Like, I don't know if that was supposed to be something that was saying, like, oh, well, they can't be in it because they were doing this at the same time. I did recognize that, but I thought the notion was that, like, it could have been any of them because we weren't really supposed... It's not like this was, like, 
like a pivotal sequence of events where you're like, well, they were doing this, like a mystery to figure out. He's going to pick whatever popular girl is like right, around right, right. to put a story out of it or whatever. I mean, so. if you watch the sequence of events, if I remember correctly, I think right before the hand holding, like Ogata is scolding Seiko Joe and Fumino is scolding her fan club, mm-hmm. which I can understand if you would think like, oh, well, then they couldn't have possibly helped him up. But if you look at the five girls afterwards, they're all immediately staring at the fireworks and not looking at Yuika. So I think that you can that there is definitely the possibility there is like, OK, they could have very well moved between those things very quickly. So I, I'm sorry that does not expel the two main girls from contention. <laughs> so I just want to note it because some people were, were calling out. I don't know if it's something that the manga itself recognized, but otherwise I would ignore it. Now that we've covered our base that means that if that detail gets brought up later on in the series, you can know for certain that we were wrong as opposed to just neglecting to mention it. And then we owe everyone a free pizza. No. We're gonna, <laughs> we'll buy one and you guys have to come to claim your slice. You have to come and get it, exactly. We won't tell you which one of us has it. <laughs> or where the pizza is. Uh, so this chapter starts off with Ogata and Uega going to the library to do some studying. Uh, and they're like, oh, hey, it's too crowded in the library. Let's go to the biology lab instead because it's going to be kind of quiet there. So they're doing some studying and Yuega's like, okay, well, one thing you need to do more is more vocabulary because, you know, she says, when a word comes up, my brain just freezes. He's like, yeah, you know, there's certain vocabulary that need under- like, needs to be understood to understand modern literature. So, you know, it's a good habit to compile them all into one book. She's like, okay. And she starts kind of working on Yuega looks over and he kind of like, sees the the skeleton that's in the background there and then just kind of leaves so he can go get a notebook for him. It's so it's such a weird chapter. <laughs> it's very weird. And he's saying like, oh wow, it's such a great spot. And he's thinking like, yeah, Sekijo recommended it to me once. She said for some reason hardly anyone goes in there after school, so it's the perfect place to be alone with someone. Huh. I wonder why she said that. Sounds kind of unsavory. Uh and then he hears two girls talking about the rumor, the curse of the biology lab. They say that after school lets out, the skeleton in there starts crawling around the room. They're like, oh no! And he's like, oh jeez, look at these people and their their plebeian <laughs> belief of superstitions. <laughs> so he sits back down, he, you know, she's she, got us at work, and he's just like, well, I better not mention anything about this spooky skeleton, because I don't want to upset her. And he notices, he's like, huh angle of the skeleton's head is it different from before i also don't remember it standing like staring straight at us huh well maybe that rumor got to me oh well maybe ogata actually probably moved that's probably it no need to bring it up and he looks again and the skeleton's like actively moving closer to them like it's it's right behind he's like why is it so close and he's like oh man uh, if i take my eyes off for a moment what's happening oh i can't let ogata get nervous and he grabs her by the face he's like nothing's wrong just focus on your work <laughs> And she's like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, God, I think we should finish up for the day. And she's like, oh, you're so thoughtful to worry about how I'm doing, but I'm focused. I'm not leaving. I refuse to give up. And he's like, oh, that's very admirable. The skeleton's going to kill us. <laughs> so he starts texting Sekijo. He's like, there's something going on in the skeleton lab. And then he starts getting a text that's just help, 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 help. And it just like, <laughs> it breaks down into gibberish. So he hurls his phone. He's like, ah! And it somehow lands 
I don't understand how. Her, if you look at the previous panel, makes sense. Her shirt's it buttoned up. This happens. Her shirt's buttoned up to basically the top, but somehow his phone like slides in through the top of the shirt and in between her bosom, and he snatches it away. And he's like, "I can't let her see that." And then he's like, "Oh my god, I wasn't thinking." She's like you should be more careful doing things that dangerous, you know? And he's like, well, she's not angry. Uh, and then she turns and the skeleton's there and it's like, gah, 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 gah. <laughs> and they start screaming. So he covers her eyes. <laughs> and he's like, it's not real, it's just your imagination. That's so fucking funny to me that he does that. It's not a skeleton. <laughs> you didn't see anything. <laughs> But this is a very tender moment for her because she's like, oh, was that a ghost? What am I thinking? Oh, my heart's thumping so loud. Is my heart pacing just from the fear? Or is it something else? And she realizes Ogata's kind of, or Uwake is holding on to her. Uh, and <laughs> Shikichu walks in and Uwake is screaming, there's no such thing as ghosts. We didn't see a ghost. And she's like, I'm so confused. <laughs> And Sekijo explains the situation. She's like, oh, it's an electronic skeleton. We've had this skeleton at the school for many years, but recently the chemistry club was asked to fix it. I don't know why. And we mechanized it with the battery so it moves and apparently has a consciousness of its own. <laughs> why? <laughs> like, it's waving. It's like, how? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, did they give it sentience too? <laughs> Well, hold on. <laughs> because he's, then she's like, oh, sorry about that text. There's something been wrong with my phone lately. I'm like, then it types out help, 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 and then garbles the gibberish. So Ogata's like, you know, she's like, you know, acutely punching her. Like, you should have told us. She's like, ah, oh, sorry about it. You can keep doing that a little while longer, though. Uh, and Uega's it's a little like, bit weird. <laughs> and Uega's like, well, that makes sense. Of course, there's a perfectly logical explanation. She's like, oh, nothing is yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, actually, come to think of it, my phone started acting up right around the time I fixed this skeleton. Oh, sure, it's just a coincidence. Oh, there are no batteries. <laughs> I guess some things are just there. And I love it. Oh, God, then you ain't just took the fuck off. And you see, like, the light in the skeleton's eyes illuminate. <laughs> I don't know what her, I don't know what her response, I guess because she didn't see it. But apparently that's a ghost skeleton. <laughs> I'd love it if it was. It's also one of my like favorite later Simpsons seasons jokes when like Lisa has like the tapper style thing and she was given like automatic tapping shoes and they go nuts and haywire and they have to like turn it off and at the end she's like, oh, I guess all that dancing was just for me like wasn't me at all and like Professor Inks like actually the switch on the shoes was turned off she's like all of that was me and Homer grabs is like what are you talking about Professor clearly the switch is on see you right there it says on he's like I was just trying to spare her feelings you baboon. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted that to be Sakichi. She's like, eh, of course it was all fuck you guys. <laughs> oh man. Um, this was a really weird chapter. Uh I love that if this is the one that we get after the the actual arc that we got. <laughs> like there is a little bit of, you know, teasing obviously between Ogata and Yuiga, you know, especially like oh he got in her cleavage and oh we're there so close. I can hear his heart beating against my head. Oh. But then it goes just straight into crazy town with like there is a ghost possessing this skeleton. <laughs> it's so strange. I love it because they don't answer it. Like 
It would be weird if it were just like it was almost like oh we had to go for a really long stretch for why the skeleton would be able to move so like the the chemistry club for some reason because we don't have right. someone in like the robotics club or an engineering club they were the ones that like robotized the skeleton and oh, that was just the end but I like that it's like oh wait no there's no batteries in this thing ha 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 and they're like fuck this <laughs> like, they're, they're gone run the fuck away. <laughs> they're already down the hall <laughs> oh boy a lot of fun so yeah okay then let's move on to uh, i'm a little bit confused because we're doing things differently sorry dr stone it's time to get stone z equals 65 call from the dead what a chapter to come off of the previous one honestly all right so um we uh, last time, Taiju and Yuzuriha had found the cell phone that was left by Gen and Chrome and Magma. Senku and Taiju are now communicating. And I do love that right away in this chapter, we get a reminder, oh yeah, Taiju is a massive idiot. Because <laughs> he's so broken up and emotionally, he's just like, uh, Senku, uh, I'm, I'm Senku, I'm Senku! And Senku's like, what? <laughs> I'm Senku Taiju. <laughs> oh god, he's just you know so broken up emotionally. He doesn't he can't really make sense right now. And and Yuzuri has you know also really emotional. So the girl who's spying on them from the background because they're like, oh Senku, I'm being so emotional. And Yuzuri is like, it's been a year. It's like, geez, these people. She's like, fuck, these guys are weird. Uh. We get this this cool little pan, uh, you know, showing like, oh, the radio waves connecting them uh, a bit and uh, to, you know, where Senku is in the village. I do like the little exchange that Ruri has with their father, you know, where he's like, how is this happening? She's like, radio waves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Senku immediately is like, you know, skips all of all of the formalities like hey listen you know like i i would like to sit around with you guys swapping stories but listen i need you guys to bring one of sukasa's soldiers and whatever it needs to, it takes to convince them get them and put them right in front of the phone uh and you know i'll explain myself later but you know i can't really share the details right now so you know actually you know what taiju it's better if you don't know the details so whatever weird stuff that you start hearing Go ahead and just believe that that's what's happening, like the gullible dummy that you are. And everyone around him is like, you're being really mean to your friend. And Taiji just says, will this actually be the best way to avoid bloodshed? And he's like, yes. He's like, okay. <laughs> yep. And I do like the you know, little note that where Gohaku realized, like, wow, they really do trust each other. That's amazing. That's This is why they were able to survive against Tsukasa. Uh, so... Um, while they're following up on it, though, Senku says, okay, did you guys get a message from Gen yet? And Taiju's like, uh, no, I, we just found this buried here. And so everyone starts to get worried. It's like, oh, something bad must have happened then if they weren't able to actually, uh, communicate with them at all. Uh, then we cut to, of course, where Gen and company are being pursued by the archer with the stupid hat that we saw in the previous chapter. And uh, we get a little bit of information from Gen because, you know, Magma's freaking out because they're, you know, hiding in, in the underbrush from his from his arrows. He's like, I want to fight the guy. Let me just go punch him. Uh, and Gen says, listen, you know, the one that we're up against right now is Ukyo and his super hearing. Uh, and Chrome's like, well, then 
if we're if he's got really strong hearing, then this underbrush is a bad place to be because, you know, the twigs snap and make a lot of noise. And Ken says, that's right. Uh, we didn't actually successfully hide in this underbrush. We were actually herded here so that if we make a move, he'll be able to know exactly where we are. Um, so Crumb's like, OK, God, we've got to figure something out. We need a plan to get Gen back to the science kingdom so that we can pull off the foe strategy. And then Magma does the best thing. <laughs> so Magma's like, ah, well, Gen's the only one who needs to run then. Okay, I've got the plan. First, Chrome will leap out and I'll follow. And Chrome's like, uh, okay, what then? <laughs> he just imagines Chrome getting pelted with arrows. And he's like, ah, so you're shooting from up there. I've got you now. Smash! <laughs> like uppercuts the dude. The full on All Might reference with the, with the face <laughs> and the back. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> and then Crow's like, well, I'll die then if we do that. And Magma's like, why are you being so selfish? <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I am so glad that Magma's a quote unquote good guy now. <laughs> so we can get moments like He's just like, I'll use your body to come as a thin meat shield to protect me while I locate the archer and kill them. <laughs> and just punch them and everything will be solved. So Chrome quickly thinks up a plan. He pulls out a uh, an extra battery that they were supposed to actually leave behind for uh, Taiju and Yuzuriha. And uh, he just take some wiring and immediately connect the positive and negative ends to each other. So we'll start to heat up because he knows that that's how it works. Uh, and he just tosses the battery after doing this. And it basically works as like a firebomb uh, sets fire to the underbrush. And uh, as the smoke screen goes up from that, he starts to rush out, and make a lot of noise. So uh, even with the noise going around and him screaming Bad! at the top of his lungs, they're still a bunch of visual cover from that. And it's like, ah, okay. So with that, then he, the enemy's not going to hear me as I flee. And so Mamet goes to help, help out Chrome and they both screaming and running. And again, sneaks, sneaks out, uh, Ukyo shoots an arrow. We don't see what happens. And again, runs away. Back at the science kingdom, we see that, uh, Senku has kind of rigged up this device. It's got a coil laid out so that, uh, it's, will actually play the record, the recording of uh, uh, of the song properly without skipping. I guess someone has to hand crank it. And uh, then uh, Gen shows up after a little bit of worrying about him. He's you know out of breath, but seems unharmed. And he's like, all right, who's the first one I need to seduce? Uh, they're like, all right, let's do let's do it. The first person we'll need it has to be her, according to Yuzuriha, as Taiju goes and talks to the pigtail girl we saw spying on them before. And Taiju just flat out says, we've got something for you. And Yuzuriha thinks if we can just get the one guarding us on our side, then with patience and persistence, we'll make allies of the whole Sukasa Empire one by one. I want to call her Brunhilda because she looks like a Brunhilda. Definitely a little, little, little Brunhilda there, yeah. Because the braids are the right type of braids, too. So. Mm. So this was a fun chapter. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun chapter. Uh, I'm excited to like, we're going to get introduced to some new characters slowly, but surely I think with this group, we already kind of know a couple characters in Sukasa's empire, but now we're slowly seeing more 
it's just interesting to see how this is all going to play together. I'm really curious to see how this next chapter goes. Can Senku and and Gen's plan work exactly as perfectly as they want? I have to assume so, because right. if it doesn't, they're introducing it to the first fucking person that is the worst person to oh, no. up on. <laughs> Whereas it's like, oh, let's just kill these two. <laughs> like, oh, no. So, yeah. Uh Cool stuff. I, I really, I really liked it. And honestly, it was an all right chapter for the most parts. And, but the magma pit was what really put it over the top for me. Okay. Uh, from here, then we're going to be going into the Seven Deadly Sins. Yes, this is a very short chapter. Seven Deadly Sins, by the way. Mm-hmm. Chapter two seventy four: The Despairing Fallen Angel Male. So. As we kind of found out last week, the character of Esterosa that we all knew is the son, like the third son of the Demon Lord was not, in fact, that. It was, in fact, memories that had been planted across everybody to misremember that he was actually the supposedly dead fourth archangel male. Mm-hmm. And that revelation happened, and we started up saying, you know, with Gauther being like, that is his true form, male of the four archangels. And Bale kind of wakes up, and he's like, was I having a dream? And his clothes have kind of re brought them like reappeared to like the the flowing robes he had and uh, his wings are back and we go to this long flashback to when Mayo was a child and they're like oh you look just like Ludashell. you know copying his hairdo won't you know cure your cowardice you know plus your hair is more unruly than his is and everyone's like it don't be so mean you know to him it looks it looks nice things like that uh and male or Ludashell actually says uh you know I guarantee that someday you will even outshine me. And uh, Bale saying, like, oh, my brother taught me how it was not a sin to kill demons. How it was the only right way to save their souls trapped in the ages. And so I killed countless demons. And before I knew it, I became feared by the demons. And a pretty badass pose. It's like him in this armor with these giant wings, like buff as shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ludashell says he was proud of me and that made me happy. But Elizabeth didn't even spare me a glance and chose that filthy demon melodious instead. You have no idea how badly that broke my heart. And then all of a sudden he starts saying like, he's looking in the mirror and he's like, I'm Esterosa. And he's thinking, he's like, what am I saying? My name is Bill. And he says, I've, I have finally beaten the strongest of the four archangels. Ha ha ha. Such a lowly form. He's like, I killed myself. That can't be. Why am I not acting myself? And he's like, I will offer this great victory to my father, the Demon Lord, and I'll cut off this stupid long hair and look more like my brother Melodius. And I like the way this symbolism is kind of like mirroring itself, that his his hairstyle has always been in a resemblance to the older brother he's admired. Mm-hmm. And this adds new context to like, oh, no, he really was in love with Elizabeth, but it's not in the same way that we knew before. Right. And finally... Even his wings disappear, and he's bestowed one of the Ten Commandments, the one his brother left behind, the commandment of love. And he takes it, and with that, his his dark conversion is finally complete. And he's like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. This is a nightmare. It's not real. And he thinks about all the different people he's hurt, all of the you know number of his comrades he's murdered as one of the Ten Commandments. And he's like, ah, the unfortunate masses I burned to death. Who... Who did this? And Galther finishes the chapter saying, I am responsible for it all, so destroy me. That's it. As I said, this was a very short chapter. It's like 16 pages long, but it's basically just kind of a refresher of what we found out last chapter. A really Mm -hmm. welcome refresher. I think this is the moment that kind of deserves to have a little bit of time spent on it Mm -hmm. to really hammer it home. 
But uh, yeah, not a ton of new information from it, just new context to things. And it was uh, really effective, I think, in portraying it, too. Like, you know, it's you know, the way the male describes it is like a nightmare. But when you think about it, it's like, you know, he's losing who he is and is kind of just can't do anything about it. You know, he know he realizes that something is wrong, but he's the only one who realizes that something is wrong as he kills his allies and he does these atrocious things that he just he feels awful about doing. Yeah. It's a complicated series because like out there, as we said, we've kind of like trying to like kind of get more on the, the board with this character. He's he's mm-hmm. kind of like trying to learn. And kind of like, how do you really rationalize this? I guess you say like it was the path of least bloodshed, but that's not the best. Like it was a lot of more bloodshed in just one other direction, basically. So. <laughs> Good point. All right, uh, we're gonna close that up, and then we're gonna move on to the Promised Neverland, Chapter Ninety Four. All of us alive. So the first five pages of this chapter accomplish nothing. <laughs> it's literally just the same thing we saw happen at the end of the previous chapter, with different angles and from different points of view, and it kind of annoys me. <laughs> I, I I feel as though like after the previous chapter, maybe they were like, maybe we should make this a little bit look a little bit cooler when the anime does it or something like that. I don't know. But after those pages are done, Lewis is dead. He's just he's just dead. There is a hole in his head and there is blood everywhere on the ground. They're like, OK, we've defeated him. We're free. Let's get gather our wounded and go. And they everyone. There's a bit of celebration from Violet. And they're like, yes, we did it. It's all done. Uh, and then they Nigel rushes over to Adam, who he sees is injured, but he's not too he's not too bad. Although Ray is like, holy shit, what kind of a monster is this guy that he got sent crashing into a building and he's barely hurt at all? He's like, I could break jacked if I wanted to. I don't want to. I have baby memories. Everyone stop looking at him. Look at me. I'm cool. Guys, you see me kick the table? <laughs> So uh, Emma's like, yay, everything's fine. Now we just have to treat Pepe and escape. Oh, I lost a lot of blood. (laughs) So they grab Emma and rush her to where all the wounded are gathered. And uh, they're like, oh, we've got to treat Emma and Pepe. Hurry, treat them. They're they're really fucked up. Uh, Lucas reunites with the the geezer. And they're like, yay. And he's like, wounded girl on back. Let's peel her. Um, but they realize that there's not really enough medical equipment left. They use, they had so many wounded, they've used basically all of their supplies and they just don't have enough to properly treat Emma anymore. So they can, uh, do a little bit. And, you know, Ray is desperately, you know, attending to her saying like, let's try and stop her bleeding. You know, forget the anesthesia or antiseptics. Just let's just stop her from, from losing blood or she's going to die here, you know? And uh, and then he says, like, hey, if if we return to the shelter, there's equipment for a blood transfusion. We have medication we brought from the house. So we if we just do the minimum amount here and get her out of here, if we leave, we can still save her. Uh, oh, man, she's going to die. Isn't she? <laughs> I do like, you know, because we make all these jokes all the time. Oh, hashtag Ray up. But it's nice that, you know, real Ray is just taking this moment where he realizes, like, he's going to lose his only other friend. Like he, he he's desperate to try and save her and do anything that he can. Because Nigel brings up like it. Uh, Emma said it took you guys four days to get here. I don't know if she'll make it that long. Uh, 
But the old man says, like, well, if we take the absolute fastest route, we could get there in a one and a half days. But uh, but there's no way that we could take all these people with us and we would be going too slow. We've got too many injured, too many people. How how can we actually do that? And then Oliver is like, leave us behind, Lucas. You're not an important character. You stop trying to be dramatic. Go away. <laughs> so one thing we kind of skipped over that I, I really want to point out is there's a, a kind of cool scene when they bring Emma back that the old geezer sees Lucas for the first time and they have like this bro hug, basically. <laughs> That's kind of sweet. And they they have this sort of thing where they realize like, hey, we have to get out of here because even though we killed the the, the demons, there's yeah. still more in Bayon's mansion they're going to need they're going to find out what happened and we may not be able to win the next time like we we don't have the information against them like we did yeah, with they're not the as they're not as formidable as as bayon and luvis but there's going to be a lot of them and that we don't know about so and i do kind of like this this ending here it's it's sort of in a way very reminiscent to the way they left gracefield house of like phil being like hey leave us behind and come back although emma's not conscious enough to have a say in this so that may play into some drama uh but i'll be curious if this ends up being like an actual sacrifice or if this is like oh this is just going to be a side group because like what what characters we know that it's uh gillian pepe zach lucas not lucas um oliver oliver rather and then like one or two others are hurt so it's a small group of like the characters we actually know and i guess presumably the rest of them would go with them i don't know it, it it's tough to say I'll, I'll be interested to see how they actually play this to an end it could be a very interesting twist it might just end up being more of the same we shall see so you're suggesting that uh, because they're actually they're wounded that they might actually die and then emma's going to be pissed off because she didn't save everyone yeah, because I mean, even then, if the, if they leave the wounded behind, then mm-hmm. what they just kind of theorize should happen. Like the demons are going to come out; they'll presumably eventually find them, and they're going to be too injured to actually fight back. So unless they're like, okay, well, you like, we'll send like four of you guys out there, and then the rest of us will stay here to protect our friends. Maybe that's what they'll end up doing. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Pretty quick chapter, honestly, despite uh, despite everything. So, all right, Black Clover. Yes. So, I'm going to be taking on Black Clover now. Right. So, well, before we get into it, okay. Before I get into it, I've been talking about this for a while. I was like, I'm gonna just you know like pass this on on the responsibility because guys, I I came to I came I'm at peace now. Like you know you know like the five stages of grief, Chris. Yeah. I'm. I'm at acceptance. Black Clover is not for me. And there that's okay. Go. It's okay. It's okay that, you know, that I hate this series now and that this chapter is garbage. Okay. It's okay. But that said, you. if I'm checking out, I'm probably not the person to actually lead on this anymore. Okay. So. We're going to have to start emailing Annalise to send in the recap each week. Like, can <laughs> you do going, it? Ah! You like it? <laughs> Don't care. Well, as someone who went undefeated at a pre-release, I feel it is an appropriate responsibility for you to take lead on this. <laughs> this uh, is the burden of <laughs> Yeah, when you're this good, you know, things are put upon you. So, all right. So, 
This uh, this chapter starts off with Luck being super excited and uh, kicking Magna in the face, like saying thank yeah. you. And uh, Vanessa's like, remember, guys remember that uh, bit where you know they had that very emotional bro hug moment where it's like it's okay. Yeah, hmm. they're, yeah. they're past that now. It's cool. Yeah, well, Vanessa explains, like, well, obviously he's doing it to hide his embarrassment, you naive little dewinklet, obviously, after a passionate hug like that. And oh, Asta screams at him and is like, that was really mean, Mr. Magna. And he's like, what are you talking? I was being genuine. Why are you doing this? Uh, Luck has this thing of like, oh, man, I hope the townspeople are okay. And Vanessa apparently explains, like, don't worry. In the background, I saved them all. <laughs> I didn't showcase myself doing it, but I saved everybody. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Then they ask about Astasword. He explains, like, well, I don't know, because I'm dumb as shit. But Yuno says it sucks up the effects of spells or the fact that the spell was cast. It makes it like it never happened or something. <laughs> but I don't really know. But in one attack, or no, it takes more than that. But if I've got a little time, I can undo the reincarnation spell. I like that Asta's too stupid to understand the spell. <laughs> He's just like, I don't know. I think if I hit it, it makes it like the spell never happened for a while. Maybe. I don't know. It's cool, though. Uh, and he has like a little moment. He's like, "Oh man, I kind of feel bad for these guys. I wonder if this means does he die? Did he die again?" And Luck says, "Well, he smiled at the end, and he looked gentle. That's what they're actually like. And I think it's a good thing that you spent that you set him free. That spell was a really scary, sad one." So Ass is like, "Well, I'll save everybody then. All the people who got reincarnated as elves. But we have to get back to the hideout." And Luck's like, "Leave it to me." And he starts, basically, I guess. I don't know. I guess he grabs. He oh, it's Vanessa's string. Okay, it's kind of hard to tell because he doesn't have string. But I guess he just he was like, "Give me that shit," <laughs> and then it <laughs> And he's dashing across. He's like, you know, lightning, electro zapping his way across. He's not through like electrical outlets or anything like that. So I don't know what he's like channeling it to. But he says, "Wow, my body remembers the way Mana felt when that elf kid was inside of me. I could get stronger." And I'm like, "Sir, that's how getting stronger works." <laughs> Hey, you know what? If Asta can get stronger without having to do anything, Luck can get stronger without having to do anything. They arrive at the Black Bull's base, and it's all in tatters and ruins. Because last time, you remember, uh, there was that big fight where Sally and the rest of them attacked. And then after that, we know Gauche got possessed by a spirit. So Asta calls out. He sees... Fuck. Gray and... Uh, Gordon. Gordon, there we go. Gray and Gordon doing their gimmicks. That's the easiest way I could explain it. Uh, and then they have this whole thing where like Magna sees Henry and starts like going towards me, like, who's this? And he starts getting his magic sucked away. And before anyone can say anything, Aston leaps up and he's like, This is our good he explains everything. And he's like, We're gonna be the good friends. He sucks mana away from me, but I don't have any mana, so we're the best friends. We've hung out forever. We always talk, we're best friends. <sighs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine with this. This is okay. It's okay that Asta has another friend he met off screen and had great adventures with. And we don't have to establish introductions or anything like that. It's just like those people that, you know, they had the novel adventure with Chris. That doesn't matter that uh, we haven't seen them interact in the manga before. Asta's best friends with them. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Uh, and everyone's being really, really weird because that's all their gimmicks. It's like, hey, there's half the guild that just can't communicate with one another. But out of it, they eventually skip over and they're like, oh, 
Gauss turned into an elf. So that's what they're kind of focusing on. They're like, we have to go rescue him, but my magic's already so weak. And they're like, oh, there's such tremendous magic. Who could it be? And then they see that it's Charmy. And she's saying, I won't forgive them. They won't get away with it. And they're like, oh, no, is she an elf too? And because uh, she has markings on her face. And yeah. apparently it's just sauce from what she was eating because she's actually just angry that someone wrecked her vegetable garden. Yeah. And she's ready to kill them all. Uh, she's like, I'm going to knock all of them in the next week. All of you, follow me. You're out of magic? Then eat this! And she she makes something. I don't know how it is that a series like... It's a like, sheep cook. It's but a no, sheep cook. But I don't know what the sheep cook cooks. Like it's a sheep cook, Chris. There's a veritable of ingredients, but the panels following that it looks like it just serves them anonymous chunks. <laughs> and they're she like... Cook. It's a great, great phrase. I don't know what it cooks them. And that's confusing to me. Cook, Chris. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and they're like, whoa, it's building our power back up. And she explains it. Yes, the more of the head chef's cooking you eat, the more magic you'll get. Uh, and everyone's like, whoa, that's a completely nutso spell. Thank goodness you had this. And they all eat it. And they're getting really strong, too. And they're like, come on, Henry, you eat, too. And he's like, but I'll absorb your magic. And they say, that's fine. We'll eat enough to make up for it. And uh, I don't know if that would work. <laughs> I don't. Does Henry have an off switch when he's at maximum mana or whatever? Does he just stops? I don't know. Uh, basically, there's this whole big thing where every member of the Black, Gil Black Bulls is doing their gimmick. And uh, I guess Asta is the one who's like, ah, these are the Black Bulls that I know. Being part of this circle is just the best. And uh, Henry starts putting together the guild again because that's his magic. And he says, everybody get on! The raging Black Bull <laughs> And then every character does their expression of yelling. So, like, Asta yells with his mouth full of food and... Magda does a lot the same. of mouthful of food, yeah. And then Luck just has his crazy eyes scream, and Vanessa's doing, I guess, an angry scream, and Gray's doing her shy scream, and Gordon's just, Aah! and Henry's like, <laughs> and Charmy's just eating, and they're like, we're gonna save the kingdom. And I realize now that the thing that the the black bull charging style they made doesn't have wheels it has legs and it's just slamming into the ground over and over so it's just destroying the fucking ground everywhere it goes it's a good thing that they're gonna save the kingdom though instead yeah. of wrecking their path yeah and that's black clover this week nick what did you think oh it was it was, it was so terrible <laughs> it's so it's it's a good thing to know that uh you know all the problems in the world can be solved by just stabbing a dude with a magic sword. Um, and then when you do that, you get a free magic power up out of it. And uh, all of the black bulls are not having any trouble whatsoever. You know what, Chris? Gauche is possessed by an elf, but he believes in his friends so much he didn't even try to hurt them. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. It makes things compelling. That's the exciting part of this. All right. Well, that's uh, that's. I don't have much to say about this. It's it's strange to me from a, a mechanical perspective that what the the, the the building with bull legs. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's silly. But more so that there's a character whose spell is like 
I get everyone's full strength back. Like, I get it. Sensu beans, like, all that sort of shit. It's just weird for me in a world where magic is, like, sort of, like, tiered and stuff like that. That, like, mm. that, like some people have spells to get everybody's magic and everything back. And there's literally one character just like, I'm gonna fucking summon this thing and it makes food that you guys eat and you're all oh. super strong again. There have been a lot of instant recovery items that have, or instant recovery methods that have been introduced recently because the there's basically no time in an in-universe perspective to bother to stop and rest and regain strength slowly. So they just have to keep on moving, which means that they have to just keep on having methods of regaining mana and strength and basically make this gauntlet battle not be a gauntlet to go through because you just instantly heal in between every round. Mm. It's it's also weird to me, again, thinking of this mechanically, because Charmy's thing to this point has kind of been like crazy, overwhelming power mm-hmm. that it's like, like, I'm trying to think of like a game that you've played that I could make this connection to, but I can't. So I'm just going to go with Final Fantasy X. It, I guess you could do this in Final Fantasy X. Maybe it's not that crazy. But I was thinking like R and the guy with like the one giant sword who just had the strongest attacks. I was like, if you just gave him the strongest healing magic too. But I was like, you can't do that. You could break Final That's Fantasy kind of unfair, X. Isn't it? <laughs> it works, I guess. All right. Let's move on then to One Piece, Chapter 910. Onward to Wano. So uh, we kind of did what you were predicting would happen last week, which is always see what Zoro and everyone are up to in the land of Wano. But you know what? It's time to go and catch up with Luffy instead of keeping around there. Um, and uh, we are interesting. We're interestingly given a reintroduction to Luffy, I guess, just to emphasize like, hey, his bounty's really fucking high now. Remember that? Because uh, he's specifically given like he's captain of the Straw Hat, Straw Hat Luffy, bounty 1.5 million berry. So um, they are talking a little bit because Nami's gotten the newspaper, which is covering the reverie. And uh, so they're talking a little bit about what's going on. And like, oh, hey, you know, Shirohoshi went there with the Ryugu kingdom. And Luffy's, you know, get, kind of being like, oh, wow, she's actually getting a lot tougher then. Yeah, it says your grandfather was her personal escort, Luffy. He's like, oh. That, that's, his, that's his reaction. <laughs> yeah, I like He's like, huh. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So we get that. And then Sanji starts freaking out because he sees that Vivi is at the reverie, too, of course, uh, freaking out about that. Uh, and then, you know, he's uh, and uh, they're seeing you know, a bunch of familiar faces in there. And, and he's like, oh, all these princesses have gathered together. And I bet they're talking about me. Sure, they are. Sanji, keep dreaming <laughs> like, that good dream, buddy. I love Nami's line, which is, well, it's nice to dream. She just completely dismisses it immediately. And then she's like, oh, hey, Chopper, look at it. You know, it's, it's Dr. Correa. And he's like, oh. And then immediately he starts cutting, clipping out her picture from the newspaper. And Sanji's done the same thing with the princess. And Nami's like, I was reading this, you assholes. Um. Then we get a little bit of a conversation going on. It was like, oh, hey, but there was something about Kaido here. Damn it. Give me the clippings back, you know. Um, And uh, Brooke mentions, hey, what's what's the transponder snail doing? And Luffy's like, "Uh, no response. Oh, well, let's keep going. And uh, Namina makes a comment because like, hey, all the stuff going on around this kingdom, it's it's really weird. The waves are so tall. There's these 
massive uh, you know rock surrounding us there's all look at all this weather uh, and Brooke suggests like yeah you know maybe maybe we should hang back because of this storm and and head through later and Louie's like what are you talking about let's go to Wano <laughs> no I, fear whatsoever I fucking love these panels like already you see how much like of this cool Japanese art influences going into Wano and it's mm-hmm. so fucking cool like it literally feels like this land and every image it is is just a Japanese painting being brought to like life. One of them specifically is. Yeah, that the wave. Yeah, the the wave over something like that. Wave off of Kurugane or something like that. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, while they're discussing the weather, an octopus has gotten on deck and no one has taken notice of him yet. <laughs> <You're> just like... <laughs> Standing... Next to Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't notice in that panel with Nami, too, where they show up for outfit. The octopus is standing right next to him. <laughs> Wearing his little sushi chef headbands. <laughs> oh, that's there. fucking great. And then finally, as they're talking, I was like, oh, gosh, well, well Kingdom on warned us that the weather's always bad, so maybe we just have to go through it. Oh, man. It, 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 what is this doing here? <laughs> I love how it takes them so long. And I literally thought when I was when I reached the two page spread and the octopus was there, it's like, did they pick up like a guide or something at some point? And then they're like, what's this octopus doing here? <laughs> It is bigger than any of the people on the ship, and it takes them so long to realize it's there. Oh, gosh. So they start freaking out. But before they can really deal with the octopus being on the ship, they realize that there is a a school of massive koi fish, like each of them as big as the Thousand Sunny, all swimming along the the ship. And they're like, what the hell? Aren't these like freshwater fish? What are these things doing here? And Luffy's like, hey, are koi tasty to eat, Sanji? And Sanji's like, oh, yeah, yeah, if you, you know, cook them in hot water and serve them chilled, and then there's this, and then there's tempura. Are and... they? I always thought koi were supposed to be gross. I don't know. Uh... Can you eat koi? Dies? Not again. Generally, no. If the fish, any carp, are raised for human consumption, BS, but in most cases, do not eat koi. In most cases. So it might be like a pufferfish kind of thing. Like you have to be very careful with preparing it. Or like this, you have to... this is this is from. OK, so the answer is yes. Koi are ornamental carp. Carp is edible. Any freshwater fish is edible. Uh, uh, OK, now this, this is from somebody who apparently owns them. Okay. So I guess you can eat koi. They're just carp. Okay. No. Cool. All right. So. Um, Luffy jumps off of the ship and latches onto a koi, and he's like, hey, no, no, no stop struggling. Of course it's going to struggle, Luffy. Uh, and Nami's freaking out, so I'm just like, eh, he'll be fine. Just <laughs> keep going. So I'm just like, I want to see the Japanese princesses. Meanwhile, the octopus is still on deck. <laughs> just going, oh, <laughs> I thought Pokemon taught us that carp wasn't tasty. Aren't weren't magic carp supposed to be disgusting? And like that's why. Well, I guess it was James couldn't. He tried to take a bite out of it. And it was too hard. But I thought that was also part of like why magic carp was so worthless. Is like it's not even worth it to fucking eat these things. Uh, I Hold do on. Think- are 
magic carp. Delicious. Magic carp is also referred to as koi king in Japanese. So there. So if if the Jap if the Pokemon anime says that they are not good to eat, then they lied to us because magic carp is a koi. And according to what you found, koi can be edible. This is the kind of intense discussion of anime lore about the edibility of fish that uh, you come to Weekly Manga Recap for, guys. There's going to be nothing but comments on YouTube. People being like, why are you spending so much time talking about eating fish? No, you shouldn't eat koi. Neither of you like seafood. Why do you care? <laughs> Does the fish taste like a chicken pot pie? <laughs> <laughs> Can you make koi pot pie? <laughs> So everyone's freaking out because they realize that they're actually going along a stream, a stream that's like a river with the, which the koi are swimming upstream. And they're like, what the hell? There, there's a waterfall here. How is there a waterfall here? And they're climbing the waterfall. And they realize, like, oh, this must actually be the source of all the fresh water in this area. It's cascading down from here. And that's where the fresh water is coming from. And that's why freshwater fish are in this area. So Wana must be up there. So they're like, oh, oh, God, the ship's going to sink. We're going to just get like, we're going to be pounded beneath this waterfall. We're not going to make it. And Louis's like, eh, I'll get it. Take us up, coin. Just grabs onto two of them and uses them like, like freaking horses drawing a carriage. It's, it's my favorite part that like they've, they have this traumatic thing going on. And the crew's general reaction to Luffy is like, just let him go. <laughs> like, that point where he, like, leaps off and they just disappears into the ocean of Koi. And now he's like, oh, my God. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> He'll be fine. <laughs> and then they reach this waterfall. Yay. I do love the one brief panel of reactions that we get of everyone on the ship. Because, uh, like, Brooke is still distracted by the octopus and Sanji's grimacing and Chopper is crying in fear. And meanwhile, Carrot's there and she's just like, yeah! <laughs> I... I want that octopus to stay on the crew forever. He's the octopus for Strauss. Octopus <laughs> Never name him. He's just an octopus. <laughs> so a little bit of time passes. They wind up in a whirlpool. Uh, Luffy passes out and somehow Luffy is left alone on shore with the thousand Sunny uh, passed out on the beach sleeping uh, and a random crab comes up and pinches his nose and wakes him up. Uh, and he's like, oh, where is everyone? Where am I? What happened? Uh, and then he hears a ruckus coming from the other side of the ship. And he's like, hey, don't you mess with that. And he goes around to the other side and he sees this weird bull warthog looking demon thing. And it's like, hey, Fuck, where are what you? Is this? What are these things called? I'll look it up. You, you, you keep continuing. Uh -oh. Uni? I don't know. No, they actually have a specific name. Okay. Uh, and then approaching from the other side as it's like barking uh, next to him, he sees this giant baboon that's carrying a katana. And he's like, all right, must be in Wano. I have a question, Chris. How is it? How does it carry that katana around? I don't know. How does it just like hold it in its hand Ko constantly? Koma Inu is the name. They're lion, oh. they're lion dogs. That's it. Because... It's there's no like sash or anything seemingly anywhere on the baboon's person. He just walks around with it. Just just carries the sword around, yeah. I guess. It's very inefficient. He needs to have more. He needs to have better accessorization, Chris. I I disagree. He this is 
I hope it made it itself, or it just, or, or Wano just like has plants that like cr- like spawn as swords, like they have sword trees, and you shake it and swords fall off of it or some shit like that. That'd be pretty dope. Well, with that said, Chris, that's the end of our manga for this week. Let's uh, name our favorites then. Hmm. What was my favorite this week? I, I think I'm going to give it to One Piece if only because I love the art direction of this week. Mm. I love the visual of Wano and how it keeps kind of putting itself together. It's like this Japanese painting brought to life. So I really appreciate that. They're going to have to do the same thing. I don't think that we had very many standout chapters this week. There were some good ones, but there weren't any that really grabbed you and uh, you know blew you away with how good they were. So I think that I'm going to go do it with One Piece, honestly, for the same reasons. I I mean, it made me really stop and take a look when uh, they started showing the uh, the waves and everything like that. Very, very cool. As for MVP, Magma. Like, n- can be no question. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think I'll give it to Magma as well. I think this is like my third week giving it to Magma recently, but he, he's Just, been so fun. It's so goddamn funny. He's like, I know, I'll use you as a shield, and then I'll punch him when I know where he is. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that is going to do it, everyone, for Weekly Manga Recap this week. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the live recording, which we do normally on twitch.tv slash and smashcast.tv slash somewhere between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time if on Thursdays. Uh, if you want to uh, follow us, so that you can stay updated in case we need to change our plans. You can do that by following on Twitter at WMR Podcast for the official podcast account. Also, Chris is at RoloT. I am at Nick F Time. If you notice, when you go to my Twitter page now, I did include in there that I went undefeated in a pre-release in my Twitter bio. Very impressive. Always got to put the, uh, the the highest accolades up first. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, went, went undefeated at pre-release. Host WMR. <laughs> uh, was that secondary to you understanding that I <laughs> yeah to understand this was a pretty big deal I went undefeated a pre-release if you want to send us feedback ask us questions for our Q&A episodes or suggest manga for us to read you can send all that stuff via email to weeklymangarecap at yahoo.com we also want to give special thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Your support allows us to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy. As well as special thanks to Steve, man, our talk artist, and to Infamous Planet for the stuff that you do. And uh, that should do it. Yes. That's going to okay. do it. Let's get on out of here. Oh, wait, right. Nick, have you watched uh, Luke Cage Season 2 at all yet? No, I have not. Not in got, you got to get into it because I'm going to start doing a bunch of random Jamaican accents from now on. Oh, no. It's my yo. There's a Jamaican character. It's like the it's like the stability of this season. So you get a whole bunch of Jamaican stuff in it, and I love it because the the Netflix subtitles don't really know what to do with it a lot oh, of the no. time. So like a lot of times it'll come into the scene like, "Is be here, maybe Bushmaster, come down here and go fight you now." And then like the subtitles like, "I am Bushmaster." <laughs> and then there are the times when it just tries to pronounce it phonetically, and it doesn't really know what's going on. It's fucking astounding. I love it. Bushmaster is incredible. Great season. Uh, Misty Knight, though, I have decided is the worst. She's passed Danny Rand as the worst character in the Marvel Universe. Wow. She is so... I don't understand how she has a job. I don't. She's so, so bad at her job. Every time she tries to do something, she's so bad. 
All right, that's going to do it, everyone, for weekly for weekly MCU recap. We'll catch you later. <laughs>